So welcome to this month's podcast, Passport 2, where we are talking travel-inspired interiors. And I have two Instagram-worthy, beautiful, incredibly talented and brilliant women with me today. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Charlotte Ray of Campbell Ray. Charlotte, tell us about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Charlotte Ray. I'm the co-founder of interior design studio Campbell Ray. Um, I'm Swedish um, and our company is based out of London where I've lived for the past 12 years. Um, we, we sort of uh, have a quite maximalist uh, aesthetic. We work a lot with sort of different patterns and colors and we like to mix different periods um, and sort of different cultural touchstones, um, often mixing sort of art with interiors and, and um, I think what sort of brings it all together is a sort of sense of conviviality and joyfulness. Super, I love that. That just sounds exactly like the kind of place I want to sit in every day. Victoria Chiraudo. Um, oh, <laughs> Chiraudo, tell us about yourself. And okay. Um, <laughs> so my name is Victoria and I run the homeware brand Chiraudo with my sister, Emily. Um, we both grew up in the UK, but we're half Italian, half English. Um, and we basically started the brand in 2016, selling antiques and vintage pieces because we just we were just really struggling to find interesting one-off pieces that we could add to our homes that weren't super super expensive or really really hard to get hold of. Um, and from there, we've kind of grown into more of a design studio than just selling antiques. Um, and we release our own collections that are our own designs and produced by us. Um, and yeah, every kind of year we launch a new collection so we've got one coming up soon um and yeah it just kind of the style of the brand really evolves the idea of it is that every collection is quite different um our first collection was very kind of english country house whereas our next one is very abstract and quite bold um so yeah it's just kind of evolving and we're learning as we go um but we've just had such a great reception since we launched so yeah really excited for the future as you should be, if anyone's had a look at their, their social and their content and everything. It's super. It really is so wonderful. So congratulations on that. Thank um, you so much. You both spoke about your backgrounds and where you're from. Do you feel that your taste and your style is informed by where you grew up? Victoria? Uh, I would, yeah, I'd definitely say so. Um, I think our love of antiques definitely comes from growing up in England. Um, and we lived in Scotland as well for a bit. Um, I think that just kind of that country house type of aesthetic where you've got lots of different styles going on, but also pieces with lots of history. Um, that definitely comes from growing up in England. But I would also say my style has evolved quite a lot in my 20s and 30s. Having Instagram at your fingertips and just lots of different sources of inspiration, it just means that you can really hone your own style um, much more easily than maybe you could do if, um, before all of social media and everything. I completely agree. And Charlotte? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's quite funny, actually. I sort of feel like, um, as Victoria is saying, as your style sort of evolve in your 20s and 30s, I feel very much that my style in my 20s was a real departure from where I grew up. Um, and I think now in my 30s, I'm sort of really rediscovering, um, especially sort of Swedish tradition and manufacturing tradition, which I grew up with, and was, which was something that my parents, who were sort of 
you know, quite big collectors in terms of furniture and art, and they always mixed things and they were very colorful and very sort of fearless in how they did the interiors of our homes. Um, and then when I, when I was in my twenties, I was like, Oh no, I want to, I want to do something very different. And now I've sort of really come full circle and come back to that. And I was never really exposed to the sort of pure Scandinavian minimalist style as many people often um, associate with Sweden. Um, I was sort of more on the, I guess, almost like an English country countryside, um, a sort of English countryside aesthetic with a lot of chintz and a lot of sort of beautiful walnut burr woods and things like that. And I think my sort of fascination with that has 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 come full circle. Um, and I also think that what's really beautiful with Swedish heritage and Swedish craft is that you have a lot of really beautiful woods readily available and you have really long standing traditions as here in England. Um, and that's something that's been a real sort of treasure delving deeper in and rediscovering um, also alongside quite a lot of Scandinavian designers who are sort of re who are sort of reinvigorating and reinvestigating into how you can develop Scandinavian style beyond the sort of very light woods and white surfaces and the sort of Ikea aesthetic. You mentioned maximalist in your introduction, so you have this more is more philosophy. How do you navigate that? I think often other people tell me that my or our style is quite maximalist, whereas we would never, we sort of, for us, it just comes very naturally and very organically. Um, I don't think it's sort of more is more because of the sake of it, but it's more just that I quite enjoy really welcoming interiors where you feel really comfortable, that gets better with time, that gets better the more people that's in the room, that, you know, if you spill a glass of wine, it's not the end of the world. And there's lots of things to look at and discover. And maybe there's many generational things. So it's, you know, your grandmother's cushions or your you know, a painting um, or, you know, they're mixed with something really new. So I think the idea with maximalism is not so much more of like, it's not a busy space. It's just more of a space where the sort of human interaction and the sort of experience of it is a, is a sort of ongoing gift, I guess, um, where you can sort of re revisit a room over and over and you can always see something new or you can discover something new or something has changed. And I think what's really lovely, I think especially now sort of during lockdown and things that people have really become quite aware of their immediate environment and they've realized that it's a sort of a work in pro process and progress. And as we have traveled in the past, obviously not over the past year, you pick things up, you put them in a, you put them away on a shelf and then you bring them out and maybe this is nicer in spring and this is more lovely in autumn. Um, so I think a more is more is probably more of a sort of collector's sensibility. It's a more sort of, of a, like an ecosystem of a thing in, in a home than a sort of busy space, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Comfort, the importance of your home right now more than ever. You talked about the old and new, your, you know, something new that you bought to your grandmother's cushions. I love that. Victoria, you guys are brilliant at mixing the old and new as well. And it could turn into a complete mess, but you do it brilliantly. How do you make that look seamless? Have you got any advice on how do you guys do that? 
it's all about layering and treating it more as a gradual process rather than just trying to throw two or various different um, styles or eras together you definitely can mix different styles but I think if you do it in kind of bite-sized chunks rather than trying to all throw it together in one go um, which can obviously turn out a bit like a bit of a disaster but I think um, piece by piece get comfortable with the space, understand what you want each piece to deliver and its versatility and just the kind of use of you and your family in that room. Um, And it's more of a kind of building the tapestry of the room in terms of different pieces from different eras, but also colors and prints and things like that. Um, I think if you choose a color scheme, that can be really helpful. So if you choose a color scheme from the start, that can mean that you can work towards this color scheme but use different um styles as you go uh within that scheme and that just allows you to use different prints um different textures and different kind of styles of furniture which kind of all integrates together to create this kind of really rich tapestry that is your kind of your collection of furniture and um collect kind of collector's items can i follow up to that yeah (laughs) (laughs) no I was just gonna say that I I really agree with what you're saying and I I, I think that if you're just starting out um, and you're sort of mixing all the new and it becomes a little bit overwhelming like something that I think is quite nice as you say is, is to choose a color scheme but also this idea of tonalities that you perhaps use the same tones of different colors so that they sort of sing together they speak together but without sort of uh, jarring against each other. I think um, I think what, what's really lovely, like when I was growing up, um, I remember my mom would always say, I would be like, does this match about what I was wearing? My mom would be like, no, Charlotte, it's not about how it matches. It is, it is if it goes together. And I think when you're mixing old and new, you know, you can look at a sort of overarching creative spirit of things that have a, a sort of philosophical uh, alignment. Um, you know, such as flora and fauna has been interpreted throughout time. And it can be really amazing to put together like a Memphis Milano vase that's inspired by an organic shape next to a Baroque little sconce. Um, and it's just to sort of understand that everything, that that the different pieces have, have a sort of conversation between the two, that there's a dialogue, uh, as Victoria was saying, in color or in in shapes or something like that. And then I also think that it's quite nice sometimes just to sort of re- take away <laughs> so you subtract and then you can sort of uh, focus the, the the vision in a way. You mentioned some great words in there, of course, the colour and the importance of that, the dialogue between the pieces, the conversation. I love the use of those words in it, but how do you implement that? For you, what makes a room a place that you would want to spend a lot of time in and that enables that conversation between all those wonderful pieces that you bring together? I think in our practice, what we always focus on is the sort of human experience. I think comfort has become such a dirty word because when you say comfort, people think about sort of American armchairs, you know, TV armchairs that people spend 12 hours in and it's like a massage stool and it's a leg support and it's all these different things. Whereas I think that something can be very beautiful and elegant and refined and still provide comfort. Um, And I, I think that when you put the sort of human element 
in the middle of comfort, what you do is that you provide a space that serves its purpose the best way possible. You know, for example, if you have a sofa, if you have a beautiful little side table next to it. Um, so it's just easy to put your glass down. I think often when I look at designs today, they look great on Instagram, but my brain goes, okay, so if I'm sitting on this sofa as a girl in a skirt, how does this work? Um, you know, if I'm sitting on this kitchen chair, is there a leg in the way? You know, Victoria and I, Victoria obviously designs furniture as well. Um, you know, as a designer, you always work in service of people. Um, I think as an artist, you sort of express your inner world, whereas as a designer, you always try to think about how is this used? How does it feel in the hand? How do you respond to the color? What's the materiality picking up on? Um, and I think that's really... Um, I think that that's really sort of at the at the heart of things working together. It's making people at ease and and sort of giving more than it takes back. I can't imagine anything worse than and than rooms that sort of makes you feel like, oh, you know, where do I put down my glass? And oh my god, where do I put my handbag down? Oh, you know, who who am I in this space? Rather than just like, oh, this is great, wonderful. Like, pour me a drink and let's have a fun giggle. You know. I think that's brilliant. Who am I in this space? That's such a wonderful way to look at it and answering all those questions. For me, it drives me nuts if I'm at a table and I can't cross my legs because there's a, mm. leg, a leg in front of it or all those practicalities of a place to put your glass. So, you know, they're invaluable questions to ask. Mm. I think it really helps if you try and cover the main pieces, the kind of staple pieces first. So, for example, if you've got a sitting room that you need to design, I think kind of settling on the sofa or the dining table or the coffee table and get those big pieces ticked off and then you can kind of treat that as your foundation and then really kind of carefully and over time you can build these pieces um, into that interior that really add that kind of character and sense of personality that can create this space that's very unique to you and your style. Um, when we created the brand our main emphasis was um, sourcing pieces that were quite small so side tables as Charlotte was saying and um, little cocktail chairs or bar trolleys or um, vases things like this where people wouldn't would be buying their big sofas maybe from a big brand but they would really really wanted these little pieces that were full of personality and re really reflected their sense of style whereas obviously a sofa especially if you've only got one sitting room which obviously everyone in, who lives in a flat and probably in London does you um you want that sofa for comfort and you you know you do want to watch Netflix and you do want to kind of have a takeaway on a Friday night but it's about having all of those other pieces around it that make the space feel really special when you have a, a client to what extent are travel or their favorite destinations or happy places a big part of the conversation when you decide on their decor and help them create that? Is that often a reference point? Well, I would say because we don't directly deal with uh, clients who are doing projects, it's more kind of customers who are buying from the website. We do, but we do often get customers emailing us and saying, oh, I want to buy this fabric and I'm going to buy the wallpaper that matches too. And I'm going to buy the armchair and the same fabric because I want to recreate this room from that I saw in this hotel, for example. So I know a lot of people are inspired by their travels um, and they do try to kind of recreate certain parts of those inspirations um but in general I would say it's quite an eclectic thing where I, I wouldn't say people kind of try and carbon copy something directly but it definitely influences the way that they want to design their space 
I think it depends on the on the client. You know, I think uh, when we meet with clients, if, especially if it's a completely new client or a completely new project, you try to understand who they are, what they want out of this project. You know, in a best case scenario, what what does this um, what does this do for you? How does it move you? How does it work for you? Um, wh- what type of elements are important to you? So I think you know. It really depends on the client. Sometimes it's, it, it can be, as you say, you know, I went to Capri once and I went to this hotel and I want it to feel exactly like that. Um, or I had this amazing pergola or I was sitting under a wisteria and I want to recreate something very, very similar to that feeling. And then you have a quite specific brief. Um, sometimes, I mean, I think in a way we're all a sum of its parts. And sometimes when you work with, with clients, you know, they come, it's very seldom you get a brief where a client goes, you know, I own nothing. So they, they take with them art collections or furniture collections or pieces that they feel are really important for a room that becomes a, that, that becomes a step off point. Um, so I think in terms of that, you know, very early when you look at references and when you look at how they live their life and where they go, you set your expectations and you set your your sort of uh, framework for references in order to what they would appreciate and understand and and love. And then, of course, you sort of amplify that. And that is your job. Um, And depending on who the person is that that, um, you know, and being an interior designer or being a designer is a little bit almost like being a detective. You're sort of trying to figure out what people are not saying in a way and how you can make them extra happy or you how you can really inspire them or show them something really beautiful. Um, and of course, travel and interiors and experiences is, is part of that. I would love to know about your experiences and from your travels. If there's anywhere that you visited and you've you know fallen upon a place that's just been the most impressive place or somewhere that you've traveled to in the name of interiors and any stories behind that? I mean, traveling to places to look at inspiring places is a huge part of what I do because going to someone's house or someone's environment or someone's space that they've created, looking at what they've done, looking at how they've thought about something, being inspired, it's, you know, that, that's a huge part of what I do. So I go to a lot of places. It would be really impossible to say one place um, also, I'm I'm quite inspired by historical houses and and historical, um, you know, sort of historical buildings. So I think that for me, and also I I absolutely adore and return to Italy a lot. So there's quite a sort of few beautiful palazzos or interior designers. I mean, I can mention, for example, Carlo Molino, who is a designer and in sort of quite mad inventor in Turin have this beautiful apartment, which is relatively small, uh, but is, comp- which is a complete Gesamtkunstwerk in terms of how it's been, um, how it's been made up. It's like every single room is quite small, but every single detail is conceptually considered, uh, craftsmanship considered from a, the highest level of craftsmanship, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because you go to places that are completely not something that you yourself would design, but you can find a little detail or a color or a fabric or a little funny little bow or, you know, whatever. And, and, and then you incorporate that in a completely different way in your own work. And that's sort of very, like, you know, that's the whole thrill, I guess. 
And yeah, just to, to add to that as well, I would say a lot of our inspiration is from Italy. The North and the South, um, they, they have their kind of own design traits, but I'd say the most inspirational place I've ever been to, and I have a real love-hate relationship with it because everybody else finds it so great as well, um, is Positano, which is so unbelievably beautiful, but also so touristy at the same time. Um, but the two hotels there that are just so stylish and just the setting the atmosphere everything about them is just incredible and that's La Cyrenews and Villa Treville um both of them have really amazing patterns tilings um views um I mean even the kind of restaurant kitchens are incredibly beautiful and there's just so much inspiration to get from all of from every kind of different aspect of them and as Charlotte was saying it's not necessarily about um taking the overall look and translating that into your style it's about picking up those little things like when I was in um I can't remember which one it was in actually between the two hotels but one of them had this really amazing sofa that had the thickest ruche trim on the cushions I've ever seen and I just thought that was just looks so amazing and I can completely imagine that being translated in my own home so we did a range of cushions that were very similar and just it made me think about trims and finishes mixing the old and the new um and just being a bit more confident with with that mixing and kind of how to pull it off really I was also going to say if we're sort of talking about more specific hotels to go to um I went to a place I went to Egypt in uh, October last year which was just before lockdown um and sort of before the travel uh, restrictions came into place uh, but I went to this incredible place in the Siwa oasis which is uh, sort of straight west from Cairo as close as almost just on the border of the of Libya um to this beautiful sort of uh, resort called the Adriar Amelal and it's it's a complete I think for us a big part of, of our design uh like our a big part of our design is that we sort of consider the whole universe or like a, when we work with hotels or restaurants, we like to think, you know, as much about the uniform of the waiter as we are looking at the menu, as we're thinking about the chair, as we're looking at the lighting or as we're looking at the color of the walls. And I think the idea of sort of stepping into a complete universe, like the Serenuse, for example, that Victoria mentioned, um, is really incredible because you're basically stepping into someone's mind and and in very many places passion and, and love. Um, so I think that with sort of complete, I, I quite love visiting universes that are sort of complete and hotels are a really good, alive version of that. So for me, going to a place like Adrar Amelal, which was completely cut out of salt rock and only no electricity and only lit by candlelight at night, but you have this incredible star sky, for example, although it's not technically a design feature, you work with the outside in order to integrate it. And I think that's very much part of our practice as well as bringing the outside in. So to go to a place like that, where they have sort of considered the, the star sky as uh, as a sort of building block to the experience of the hotel is really extraordinary. Um, I also wanted to say we haven't been able to travel as much this year, of course, but there is a hotel in Paris at the moment called Le Cours de Vosges, which I'm absolutely dying to go and stay in, which is a sort of very small hotel with suites. And it's 
again, it's it's just it's done by Lequadic Scotto, and it's just completely beautiful, really rich materials, really sumptuous, and every time. I've felt a little bit sort of locked down, down. I've been looking at pictures of it going, oh, you know, one day I'll sit in Paris, I'll eat a baguette and I'll drink a little uh, espresso and I'll sit and I'll wake up in that bed and everything will be fine. Hopefully that's not too far away because it sounds perfect. (laughs) Um, I think it's so important to use your surroundings as your canvas and bring that in. So this hotel in Egypt sounds sensational. I love that they, they use all of that. Um, you also mentioned Positano and you know the I remember when I was there last summer I indulged beyond massively in all those plates and the ceramics and I just shipped <laughs> boxes and boxes of the stuff because you kind of get lost in all these wonderful things you want all of the colors the lemons everything so that brings me to shopping for you where does interior shopping the best or uh, Italy of course is wonderful but is there anywhere else that you think is is brilliant for it or any outlets for sourcing materials or stock or one-off pieces I'd love to hear your your tips on that I'd like to call myself a collector but I'm probably more a hoarder um it's a fine it's a very fine balance um I mean I pick up things wherever I go I love you know silly things like fridge magnets and you know little Delft my boyfriend was was uh, giggling over Christmas because I, I have this massive box with p- hand-painted Delft baubles, which I love, which I picked up in Holland every time I go. I just pick up things along the way. You know, it can be little, you know, little fabrics. It could be ceramics. It could be little silly things that you love. Um, it's just little, you know, souvenirs. I think the idea of, of, of sort of things coming throughout the world is is wonderful to bring into a home. And I also think like when you I think the overall thing that I've learned after everything that I've that I've sort of brought home is that invest in quality because if you if you're looking at beautiful ceramics for example from the Italian coast you'll if if you bring them home they will bring home a, a part of your holiday but without feeling extremely alien to a space that is a completely different context it's quite like as long as it's like really really good quality so for example if you go to a souk or you go to a market or you go to something like that as long as it feels really good in your hand you'll keep it forever and then it's just you know wherever you go keep your eyes open for little things that that you find beautiful yeah absolutely I completely agree with that and and quality but also maybe trying to keep it relatively small as well so that you don't get sick of it um in a few years time or you just think god why did I buy that why did I bring that home with me if it then becomes really out of keeping in a new in a new house or or whatever we've got a really beautiful little uh architectural sketch of the harbour in Ponza, which is this island um, very close to Rome. And it's just really cute, really colourful, obviously on the wall. And every time we walk past it, we're just reminded of our favourite holidays there. Um, and that joy is just so worth it just to kind of, you know, bring that piece back and be reminded of that holiday, especially at the moment. It's always going to be on our wall, no matter where we, where we are, because it fits and it's um it's a kind of small manageable piece and yeah it just is it, it is a souvenir essentially but it really merges well with our interior at home um but yeah I can imagine you know things like the ceramics and things like that while you're in that space they feel while you're on you know on the holiday and you're eating in that restaurant the hand-painted ceramics that are kind of really OTT but really really beautiful feel so right in that space but maybe if you were to bring the whole set home maybe not quite so much 
but little pieces, maybe just a serving bowl or some cups or glasses, things like that, that are, yeah, just little souvenirs, I guess, but they are good quality and they merge really well with your, with your style at home. It's quite funny, actually. In, in Swedish, the expression for having bought something on holiday that works really good on holiday, um, but when you take it home, it feels completely alien. The expression translates to London hat, um, because back in the, I guess, 1920s and 30s, women would go to London and they'd buy themselves like an ascot hat, and then they'd come back to Sweden, which is, of course... A much smaller country but also not a country where it's as customary to wear a hat and suddenly you'd have this beautiful hat but you'd have nowhere to wear it that's fantastic i love that it's brilliant so that advice on buying souvenirs is wonderful and keeping it quaint keeping it in keeping and learning how to use it and you know not going over the top when you see it in another scenario which is incredibly helpful are there any other ways you think are important to stimulate your senses in a space that's not just focused on I don't say just, that's not purely focused on the visual. Um, I mean, I would say company. Um, you know, I think nothing nothing sort of brightens a room or creates memories or as having, you know, a, a wonderful group of friends around and telling fun stories and also, you know, having delicious, having delicious little uh, nibbles and good drinks and the sort of beautiful ice bucket full of ice. You know, I, I feel like, one of the things I've obviously we all have missed the most um, in the in the past year is this idea of like entertaining at home and really entertaining in a, in a in a really wonderful way in the way that you sort of you know almost spoil spoil your friends when they come over and you have really delicious like little Italian olives and you have little apérol spritzes and all these things. I think you know now more than ever we sort of realized how um, how absolutely precious and wonderful and essential to life that is. I've also found in lockdown and the absence of having friends over and that idea of entertaining and kind of getting excited and preparing all of these kind of amazing this amazing food and drinks and everything the small things that we can do with you know without having those people around so I mean is it kind of really nice um fresh smelling flowers so not necessarily the way they look but the way they smell and something I'm a complete sucker for is an open fire um I just think that that immediately transports a room to this really really cozy atmosphere that you just want to stay in all day with a book and a glass of red wine and I think everyone in lockdown has been kind of splashing out on really you know the very overpriced scented candles because you know you can light one and it just I don't know it just kind of brings you a bit of joy and um makes the day a little bit more interesting um and yeah just kind of those easy fixes that uh you can do to your to your home where you're kind of stuck in at the moment basically I think following up on the sort of fireplace and the candles which I completely agree is just a complete game changer in terms of the atmosphere of a room is is also sort of lighting just in general I think that we live I mean, many of us live in London and, and because a lot of us live in rented apartments, etc., you have spotlights and in this sort of quite uncharming white LED lights. And I understand the, the sort of sustainability aspect of them and things, but I also think that there's nothing, one, like something that I always sort of pay attention to in a room is a table lamp uh, with a really lovely sort of pink lampshade or, you know, a sort of warm colour. And a, and a light bulb that is has like an amber light to it so that in the evening when you come home you're not sort of 
you don't you don't sort of get the light shock, especially now when it's dark outside, that you don't sort of get the light shock of almost like stepping into a supermarket, but you come home and you sort of turn on the 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 lamps that are all sort of mid-level height, um, and it just completely changes the room. This has all been really useful and helpful in making me want to reinvent my home, which is wonderful. I have one final question. In one sentence, what would you say is the passport to finding the perfect balance when it comes to your interior? I'm somebody who, who I, I think, operate quite instinctively. So if I like something, um, I just take it home and I find a, find a place for it. And if I, uh, if I can't find a place for it, I just put it away until I'll rediscover it at some point and take it out. So I think for me, the balance will probably always be on the sort of more end of things. If you love it, then it has value to you and therefore it has a value and a place in your in your home. So in that case, I think you should just go for it. That's lovely. I think using your instincts and finding that value to you, it's important, we'll always find a place. That's really mm. wonderful. Victoria? Yeah, I'd say the perfect balance is about collecting things that you really, really love and you can bring them home and add them to other pieces that you have bought that you've been handed down um that you you know if you're moving in with your partner you can merge pieces with their pieces and just creating a really eclectic mix of pieces that just creates a really personal style that at the end of the day is completely original to you and your home rather than a kind of carbon copy of a hotel or you know something you've seen on your travels or even a copy of something you've seen um, in a catalogue or something like that. So just this idea of um, collecting lots of different pieces that create your own original style. I also wanted to add, I think if you are literally standing in the market stall thinking, should I buy this or is this unnecessary or is this silly or is it too much? What's quite nice to sort of just catch yourself is, is to just have a think, what would this go with that I already own? Almost like a sort of wardrobe think, you know, if if you're perhaps looking at something that you're like, oh, is this a bit too much? Is this a bit too, like, I would always go for it. But if if one is hesitating, I think that's a quite good tip that you go, okay, what do I already own that I would place this next to? Or where would I put this? Or against what wall color? Or would I put this in the bathroom? Or where would this go? Um, is a quite sort of good leading light as well. Just to add to that, in, um, when we are buying pieces for the website, uh, we often think, you know, how do we know that we really, really want it and that we really want to put it online? Um, and, you know, when you're bartering, especially at antiques fairs and things like that, you're kind of doubting, oh, God, do I really want to barter more or should I just pay the price they're asking and all of these questions go on especially with antiques where you don't there is no kind of set price um we always think if somebody was to, if we were to leave it and somebody else was to come along behind you and snap it up how annoyed would you be <laughs> I think that's always the best way to decide whether you really really like something is just to think about losing out on a deal and well not necessarily a deal but um losing out on that piece to somebody else um and how much that would annoy you I'm, I'm still, I can still be irritated with myself for not taking home some of the things in the past over years, like 10 years ago, um, that I didn't take home with me. So I know that real feeling of annoyance where you're like, oh, I should have bought that. That thing would have been perfect here. Oh, um, so go for it. <laughs> no regrets. 
final words. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Where can we follow you both on social media, your websites? Tell us where we can be utterly inspired. Charlotte. My personal Instagram is at Charlotte Ray, R-E-Y. And our my company, Campbell Ray's one, is at Campbell, like Campbell Ray. Uh, like the like the soup and then my surname um and our website is uh campbell campbellray.com campbell-ray.com so the website is our surname which is c-e-r-a-u-d-o.com and then on instagram it's just at underscore chiraldo underscore be prepared to be fully inspired everybody Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, you can catch up on our past episodes where we discuss 2021 wellness as well as food and culture, available on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also catch all of season one there too. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe as we release a new episode every two weeks.